It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Locked On. Locked Locked On. Locked Locked On. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, how's it going, sir? It's going well, except Marcus. I have to tell you, I am freezing cold. It is cold out oh, here in stop Los Angeles. It. No, it is, what is very cold? cold. Tell me what it's, cold is. It's it's in the forties here, oh. Marcus. <laughs> that's, that's that's sweatshirt and shorts weather, man. It's it, honestly, I I, I I look at Deontay Brown's body, and uh, and I'm like, yeah, I, I wish I had that right now, just to kind of keep me warm when I'm walking uh, around the hardwood floors, cold. Ice cold feet. Yeah, so that's a perfect segue to what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, and that is the Senior Bowl weigh-ins, Landon. And actually, as we're recording this now uh, on Tuesday afternoon, Senior Bowl practice is going on. And I'm actually watching one-on-one drills as we speak, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on Tuesday, uh, we got some measurements. And this is really maybe one of the most important things of the the, the Senior Bowl this year, especially yeah. with no combine. So. Let's talk about some of the winners and losers from the scouting combine. And I feel like we have to bring up uh, your guy, Richie Grant, uh, our safety. I feel like that's the first one because I think he had a surprising weight. We talked about him yesterday on the podcast, potentially being, you know, like six foot, 180 pounds. And he came in at 5'11", 200 pounds, Landon. Mm-hmm. We know NFL teams get a little scared off by uh, sub-200-pound linebackers. So how big of a deal is it that Grant came in right at that 200-pound mark? He, he must have gotten my uh, back pocket-shaped uh, uh, weights that I sent him just to kind of keep in his pockets when he st- stood up on the scale. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a big deal. You know, I think you, you watch him play. And uh, you have concerns. And look, I mean, I, I, we haven't seen him on the field at 200 pounds yet. Or I, I don't know if he was playing at 200 pounds because I'm pretty sure he wasn't even listed at 200 pounds uh, at UCF. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I obviously want to see how it affects you know his, his ability to play. I, I, I don't imagine it's going to affect it too much. Um, but I, I think it's it's huge. I mean, anytime you know th- worry about with uh, uh, you know the, the guys that are in these weigh-ins is sometimes is uh, do they meet mm-hmm. thresholds? Right? It's it's just kind of you want to see them uh, at a certain height and weight just to kind of know that it, it's a security blanket, right? It's it's just hey, I've seen guys sure. at this height sure. and weight make it before. Anything less than this. I have concerns about you know whether it's ability to bring down tacklers, uh, ball carriers, whether it's the uh, ability to hold up, you know, in the physicality of the game. Uh, so I, I think this is a, a big deal for Richie Grant simply because 
you know, obviously when you watch the tape, he has a lot of instincts. Uh, he has a lot of uh, ability to get the, to, to, to the football using his brain and, and processing power. He's physical. He's a hard tackler. You'd like the tape. What you're concerned about with Richie Grant is how he does in, you know, in the combine, which we're not having this mm-hmm. year, but this is the closest thing he's going to have, right? The weigh-ins, the height, weight, just sure, to make sure, sure that he's checking these boxes off because on tape, you know, he looks like he has the skill set in the mind to play the position. Absolutely. Uh, that's a, I'm really glad to see him coming at 200 pounds. It's just mm-hmm. checking off a box. Uh, another guy that's checking off boxes. Uh, I, I can never say his first name, right? I fed Fedu Melifonwu, the cornerback from Syracuse. We saw him listed at like six foot four at Syracuse. He actually came in under that six two two twelve. Uh, but 32-inch arms, 80-inch wingspan, just a massive, massive cornerback, and one that we have to believe the Cowboys are going to be keeping an eye on, right, Landon? Because this is a guy that fits that cover three mold in quarter, at the quarterback or cornerback. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I don't know if if you caught that nugget that Brian Broaddus dropped on the draft show. Uh, uh, I think it was Tuesday uh, it, that he mentioned that that the cornerback. Uh, coach or the new defensive back coach Joe Witt really li- likes speed, and that's a big thing for him. And, and that the, the speed is going to be an element that they're going to look at maybe more than they had previously with some of their bigger corners. So, I I, I think if Etu like you know he came in. Uh, we were just talking about it. He he wasn't the six four that he was listed. I think in other in other things, which is which we mm-hmm. think is good. Like this is a great body size six two two twelve. That's that's great. Really long arms. Uh, and, and so really what you want to see now is, you know, how, how does he hold up with the speed? Is he, is he able to you know get down the field and, and, and cover it? I think you know, he, because of his long arms, he has an 80, 80 inch plus wingspan at a cornerback because of his long arms, you're able to, uh, uh, make up with a lot of the speed issues. If you, if you aren't quite as fast, right? Like it just gives you a little bit more, uh, mm. room to work and, and make up speed. If you've got those long arms that can kind of reach out and, and provide a little bit of, uh, of wiggle room or air room, I guess. Uh, but I think, you know, the other thing you want to see with Melifonwu is a guy who is physical. Because uh, that's the thing. He's a big guy, but right. he's not right. a physical player uh, so much. So this week especially, you really want to see him uh, in, in one-on-ones and in, in just, you know, in the regular portions of practice. Uh, being a solid tackler, uh, being a physical presence, using that body in a way that that is, uh, you know, makes it worth it. Because otherwise, you know, it, that's I have issues with guys like this who don't play up to their size. Because what's the value of having them if you aren't gonna, uh, uh, you know, use the skill sets that are provided to you? Otherwise, it's just for show. If you've got this big body, you need to use it. Sure. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how much he does. Yeah, uh, Tony Pauline has him projected at a four four seven forty. So fast, not super elite uh, fast. Coming out of high school, four seven one in the forty yard dash. So you're just hoping he gets, you know, below that four five two four five three mark. Um, one more guy that I wanted to mention, uh, and I'm not sure if you've seen him yet or not. Mm-hmm. Chaz Surratt, the the linebacker from North Carolina. Um, did not <laughs> did not have a great day, Landon. He came in at six foot one, two hundred and twenty seven pounds, thirty inch arms, uh, a wingspan of seventy six inches. That is in the one percentile of wingspan and arm length for linebackers. Um, 
We knew he was small. We know he's athletic, but to be that short and you see it on tape because he misses a lot of tackles, that's got to be concerning, right? It is. First of all, did did you see his picture? Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't look like he's a professional yeah. football player at all. And with no, these measurements, no, 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 no. It, it kind of uh, backs that up. You know, look. I, I mean, it certainly is something that you're taking notice of, right? Because he's he's falling well outside the the norm. At the same time, I will say that go look at uh, Grant Stewart. Uh, go look at uh, 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 let's see who else is on that this kind of list. Uh, the Ohio State kid, uh, Justin Hillard, right? Like th- there are other yeah. guys specifically in this class who are actually smaller than uh, uh, Chaz Surratt. You know, so I, I, I guess mm. the reason I'm bringing that up is not so much like. Yeah, Grant Stewart had what yeah, twenty nine and a half inch arms. Yeah, Grant Stewart had sub thirty inch arms, right? Like had a seventy three inch wingspan. <laughs> so you know, and uh, and, and, and and look at some of these like Monty Rice, who's also very well uh, thought thought of guy. He's six foot two thirty eight. You know, everyone talks about has having nice mm-hmm. size. He has seventy five inch uh, wingspan. Has thirty inch arms. He's got less. He's got sub nine inch hands. You know, so uh, my my point being that, you know, I think that there there is. Uh, there's historical comparisons to look at, and I think all of that is very important, you know. And I think it, whether or not you're uh, 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 want to el- eliminate a guy because he doesn't meet the uh, historical comps or the historical you know thresholds that you have set out, I, I, I understand mm-hmm. that, you know. You don't want to take a risk on guys. At the same time, you know, sometimes you have to take a step back and see where the wind is blowing, and I, I don't think it's coincidence. That they have, you know, I, four or five of these guys who are kind of all hmm. in this same body type, right? The anywhere from 5'11 to 6'2, yeah. 200, 210, let's say, 210 now to 230 pounds. And, and they they just may not be built like the uh, Rolando McLeans of the world to use a, 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 a linebacker body type that I like. You know, I, I, I think, you know, sure, sure. we've seen this before with the run and hit linebackers, uh, you know, could be undersized. Maybe now what we're seeing is that that's even being further accentuated as guys like, uh, 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 Jock and, and, and Chaz Surratt and, you know, some of these guys start to play roles that are, you know more than just linebacker that that, that encompass co- a lot more coverage than you know linebackers had previously in the years you know past. Yeah, it, it, that I would agree. Um, a couple more just ones I want to throw out there really quickly. Dwayne Eskridge, a wide receiver from Western Michigan, who I've mentioned on the show before, he was listed at 180 at Western Michigan. Actually weighed in at 188 uh, at five foot nine, uh, and actually five nine and a half. So great measurements there. Teron Jackson, the defensive end from Coastal Carolina, uh, we like him quite a bit. Six two to sixty, eighty inch wingspan with thirty three inch arms. Uh, that is good as well. And then two linebackers, uh, Charles Snowden from Virginia, 6'6", 232, 82-inch wingspan. That would be just very impressive if it wasn't for Janaris Robinson from Florida Florida State, 6'5", 266, 87-inch wingspan with nearly 36-inch arms, the longest we've ever seen at linebackers. A lot of inches. Just a big dude. 
Oh, man. I mean, he's really a defensive end, but the fact that he's even being listed at linebacker just shows you how athletic he is as well. So uh, keep a, keep an eye on those two linebackers throughout the course of the Senior Bowl. Uh, let's take a quick break so I can tell you guys about Bet Online. Are you ready for some football? We've got the Super Bowl coming up in less than two weeks, and there's only one place that we trust and one place that has you covered with our bets, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Landon, uh, we've got some Twitter questions that we want to get to. And the first one comes from Matt. And this is a really good question uh, that he actually sent me this morning. Um, he wants to know with the depth of the wide receiver class, it seems like every single year, and we are getting some deep receiver classes from 2019, 2020, and again in 2021. How important is that wide receiver position? Because I, I always talk about the running back position being loaded with talent, and that's why it doesn't matter. Is it fair to say the same thing about wide receivers if it's very I mean, I've been saying this for a while, and you guys have been poo-pooing me. <laughs> like, I, I, listen, I'm still going to poo-poo it, you, but if, go ahead. If the reason that the running backs are so replaceable are the, you know, the economic factors involved in the you know, feeding the supply from college, how does that not apply to wide receiver? I mean, the last three drafts, I would say – we have said kind of, uh, you know, un- unchallenged, and, and frankly, I, I, you know, it's I don't know that it is. An, there's ar- very much argument that they have been the, the deepest wide receiver classes uh, in the draft that that we've had in a long time. The, I mean, the last three have been like this. So uh, to me, the league is full of a wide variety of types uh, and talents at, at wide receiver. Uh, you know, is there is there a difference between the top end guys and and the rest of the pack? Of course there is, but there's uh, you know I I again argue that there is a difference uh, at the running back position as well. You know, it, it, as much as we may not, some people may not want to uh, uh, see that. I I would say argue that there is a difference at the running back position as well. So I, I certainly I don't know that we're at anywhere near where the running backs are. Uh, as far as the a devaluation, and, and it's not so much a de- devaluation of the position as much as, well, I mean, it, I guess it is. It, it's it's a devaluation in the sense hmm. that it, it's easy to obtain, uh, 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 you know, starting level wide receiver talent or a a, a, a certain level of wide receiver talent. Um, I, I think that you're going to start seeing wide receivers start to kind of trend this way a little bit more because. There's just so many guys playing wide receiver now, and, and I and I think a lot of it is because 
uh, you're seeing more and more of the guys who would normally play defensive back or norm- normally play safety. There's still anybody who can play defensive back who has that athleticism that can even catch a little bit now is playing wide receiver. And, and, and I think that that combined with – uh, uh, the passing schools that they have at high school, the uh, so much training available to, you know, seven on seven mm-hmm. uh, leagues and that they have in Texas and, you know, all these different factors that have really increased the number of reps that uh, route runners have uh, have under in their tool belt by the time they reach college in the pros. And that's why you're seeing this kind of uptick in, uh, pro ready and 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 more talented wide receivers than probably than you've seen in a long time. All right, so there's a couple of different points I want to get to, and again, this is a really good question and a good discussion because I do think we are seeing some really good draft classes at wide receiver. First and foremost, the passing game itself is just way more valuable than the rushing game, right? And I think even people that believe the running game is still really important would agree with that. You have to be able to pass the ball at a high level in order to win in, in this NFL. Um, and having great receivers helps you do so. So there's there's that part of it as well. The other thing is you can have four really good receivers in you know on a team, and that's great. If you have three good running backs, you really can only play one of those guys at a time. You know, as much as we talk about Zeke and Tony Pollard, you know, trying to get them both on the field at the same time, it just doesn't happen very often. So having three and four, you know, wide receivers that all can play at the same time has a lot of value. The argument that I would make, Landon, is that while there are a lot of guys that are coming in and contributing, there's there's a lack of true wide receiver ones in the NFL. I mean, I really think there's only seven or eight of those guys in the entire NFL, and there's not a ton of really good wide receiver twos. Yeah, you can find guys that can come in and contribute as wide receiver threes and wide receiver fours, and you can find those guys on day three. Um, But to actually find guys that can come in and beat man-to-man coverage and can beat press and can win consistently – we don't have a ton of those in the NFL. I mean, uh, I'm looking at like an entire division. Like, look at the AFC, uh, the AFC East. You have Stephon Diggs is by far the best receiver in that division, and that was somebody the Bills had to trade for. Outside of Diggs, it's just a lot of guys in that you know entire division. Cole Beasley's really good, but he's a slot receiver. I mean, the the next best receiver uh, is just. Eh, even in the AFC North. I mean, I'm I'm looking at our lads our, our lads depth chart right now. There's not a single wide receiver one in the entire division. So, that would be my point. It's just really hard to find those elite number 1 wide yeah, receiver types. Yeah, but I mean, the argument could be made that, that that's generated though. You know, I, I listen, I think that Stefan Diggs is an incredible talent, but he's not like an incredible physical specimen. You know, like he what he does no, but yeah, he's just what an he elite is, is an route elite runner, route runner who's, who's crafted, you know, mastered his craft, and and to me, that's the very definition of 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 wide receivers being. Yeah, but that's like that's like well, one I mean, guy. The Cole rest Beasley's of these guys the other, have been Cole the other. high first round you know, picks. You know right? what I'm saying? Like Cole Beasley. Well, that's a, but that's a very specific but, but role. I guess though, that's right? my thing. Right? Is that is that there are a hundred different ways to get the passing efficiency you want 
whether it's having a, a number one wide receiver who is just physically better than everybody else and can get open, you know, like it's in, whether it's sending DK Metcalf down down the field on on nine routes and then getting him on stop routes, like that's enough to have a complete passing system there because you have a, a constraint and a and a play that works, right? I, I think that there, the 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 days of needing that number one wide receiver to have a functioning offense are 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 as much gone the, the way of the dodo well, as okay. much as the, the the days of needing a number one running back i think but the thing is the f- functional is different than having an offense that can compete right because you look at the look at the the four teams in the championship game this year those are four teams that ended up finishing in the top five of scoring offense. I don't think you can just have an average offense anymore. Oh, absolutely and not. But I also don't think that you need an elite receiving talent necessarily to have a one. I don't think you need to have a single elite receiving talent uh, to have a, 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 an elite passing to attack. I think that you, I think there's a couple well, different ways to skin that, including you know scheming players open, using uh, uh, sk- schemes and players that can just fit in their system, run their routes correctly, and having more uh, yak ability. I mean, kind of uh, Shanahan style, right? I don't think it. Let me say this. Let me say this. The four teams that were in the the championship round, the wide receivers were Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs. Like those are all really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, the defense carried Tampa Bay to the Super Bowl, and (laughs) and you know, look, I I mean, look, look. Stop it! Stop it! They averaged thirty-one points a game in the regular season. They weren't they weren't in the playoffs. Uh, Look, (laughs) my my point is is that there's there's a hundred different ways to do this and 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 i certainly agree that wide receivers have more value than running backs generally and i'm not saying that they're there yet but this idea that you need to have uh, a calvin johnson or 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 the like in order to uh, uh be an elite offense i just don't think is true i think if anything what you need is a collection of talent at, at wide receiver that can do a variety of things so that you can tack offenses multiple ways uh and and i think that that's you know that's more i think it's more a shift away from i've got this guy you can't stop try and stop him and then we'll react to however you try and stop him and, and attack the rest of the defense to uh, more of the pick your poison, more of the we're going to s- send all these guys out. We're going to attack what you're doing on defense. And no matter where you you try to focus on, we'll go to the other way. And I, I think that that's more about having savvy, talented, uh, uh, you know, skilled uh, players than, than maybe like having elite physical talents. I think having elite physical talents is – uh, is something that you want. I, mean, I think, but you can mix and match them. You don't need a guy who is the complete package uh, in your passing attack in order for your passing attack to be uh, good. And I think that th- that complete package type player is the one that you're paying the heavy you know, money for, the one that you're trading the, the big picks for, the one you're paying the big money for. Yeah, but didn't all four of those teams that were in the championship round have that? I, I don't know. That, see, again, I, I don't think that because the Bills I, traded I, I for Diggs and gave Diggs him a big, big contract. That guy. Like, uh, that Diggs is the number one receiver on his team, and abs- like in the definition of all that, of course. But I think that what Diggs – I think you can build a Diggs, is my point. I, I think you Diggs was not a first-round pay- player for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think those guys can be found later on. And Cole Beasley's the other guy, right? Like, is another guy who – 
I guess I would just disagree with you on Diggs because I think he was a really good prospect coming out that fell for, uh, you know, a variety of reasons, was super productive in Minnesota. And then Buffalo had to trade a first rounder plus to acquire him. So it wasn't like this was somebody that all of a sudden came out of nowhere, right? He led the league in receiving yards in Minnesota and in well, Buffalo. Well, so then now. I guess the the argument that we're having right now is, are we talking about draft uh, draft prospects or are we talking about you know, fully formed players because, well, I, I just, I, I feel because, because honestly, I mean, because honestly, well. there's I, a huge difference, think... you know, the number of the, the, the supply of draft prospect wide receivers is triple the, 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 the supply sure, of sure. known quantities at wide receiver in the NFL. Right. So I, would I think that's yes. really where I've talked about is at wide receiver, there's a lot of ways to make these prospects prospects coming out of college work in your system. Uh, I think that and, and that's why you can get a product in, in the sense that the value of the running back is that you can get one late in the draft and, and still get production out of that person. I think that's that's the similar element that you're seeing with wide receiver is that you can find a guy who may not be considered to be the top prospect and draft him in the fourth or fifth round. And if he has a trait that fits your system well, you can get production out of that user. I mean, the, the, out of that person this year. I think that's that's what we see is is that you can find these guys that that can produce all over the draft. It's really just about how they fit inside, you know, th- what you're doing. Yeah, I would agree with that. Right. It, it reminds me, I'm, I'm going to bring this back to basketball for a second. You can find guys to fill in and be role players, right, in an offense. Like, if you have an Amari Cooper, yeah, it's pretty easy to find guys in the third and fourth round that you can build a wide receiver core as long as you have Amari Cooper. My my thing is, it's just so hard to find those type of guys and those type of receivers are typically guys that help you win a lot of games. And that's why I'm looking at Adams, Tyreek Hill, Diggs, Evans, Godwin as, you know, these elite receivers that are helping boost up a passing game. Because, listen, Tom Brady has not played all that well in the playoffs. He really hasn't. But the wide receiver core in the defense, in this case, has really helped him, you know, survive. And I think if you have a, a an elite receiving core and you have a true number one receiver, you can overcome some of your other flaws. So I do think this is a conversation we need to continue to have down the road. Um, but interesting points. So I, I would say by you, I think it is something we need to, to, to figure out. It's more, it's more uh, but, nuanced than but the fun. running back conversation, I think. That's, that's yeah. what we're discovering, right? Yeah, I, I would 100% agree. Yep, I would agree. Um, all right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, as always, you can follow the show uh, on Twitter at LockedOnCowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today.